0: Hollywood, is rated
1: LGBT radio, starring your host, Rob Watson!
0: Yes, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome to this installment of rated LGBT radio. I am your host, Rob Watson, and as always, um, we have a really incredible show lined up for you today. Um, I am extremely excited, and I will be honest, I'm going to try not to fanboy all over our guests because I, I do think he's phenomenal. Um, so there's, there's my full disclosure right up front, right at the top. Um, just laying it all out there. Um, but um, our guest today is somebody who um, has a couple of wives. Um, The Current Life is as a um, phenomenal singer-songwriter, incredibly talented, um, very out in the community, and his music reflects that. Um, He sings from the heart. His voice is incredible. His name is Grayson Chance, and you may remember him from a past life uh, where he was a kid and discovered on – Um, a YouTube video of a a talent show that he was competing in where he sang this song called paparazzi by um, a little known singer named Lady Gaga. And um, the video went completely viral. He ended up on Ellen and, you know, a household name and a recording contract. And then they pulled the rug out from under him, uh, especially when he got a little bit older and, Uh, presumably his voice was changing well he is back not is he back but a, a new grace and chance has emerged um you know the butterfly has come out of the cocoon this is the true artist this is the one that we all need to be listening to uh we have not only him today but we have his latest song hellboy uh which uh we will play for you so um very excited. We're going to find out what his world is like right now and um, get into his music, which is um, absolutely phenomenal. Um, before that, however, um, I'm going to turn to my uh, trusted uh, co-host, uh, Brody Levesque, uh, editor of the LA Blade, and uh, find out what is going on in the news world,
2: Brody. It is a busy week. Happy Pride to all of you out there that are hearing my voice. Um, We started Pride Month uh, at the beginning of the week. Uh, It's already been off to a little bit of a bang. Uh, One story that um, was not so nice, but was a little humorous depending upon how disturbed your sense of humor is. Up in Moses Lake, Washington over the weekend, uh, a family of uh, LGBTQ folk were out on Moses Lake in a boat, and another boat, uh, proceeded to circle them and using anti-gay slurs. And yeah, it was a little on the ugly side of life. Um, and then that boat suddenly burst into flames and sank. And uh, the boat that they were insulting rescued them. So that's a little bit of uh, karma, as it were. Um, now, a couple of things that I do want to make note of. Uh, in Florida, uh Florida's governor decided to take the first two days of pride uh, and slam the LGBTQ community, especially for LGBTQ Floridians. Uh, He signed a bill uh, on June 1st that basically bars young trans uh, girls from participating uh, in high school and collegiate uh, sports in the state. Uh, And they used the old, well-worn trope of you if you're born a male well guess what you don't qualify um the human rights campaign the american civil liberties union and quite a few others including our dear friends at equality florida have said that they will sue him well he didn't stop there the very next day uh the governor decided uh because in florida governors have what they call line item veto power in florida state budget he took out all the funding uh, for LGBTQ-related things, including a appropriation and suspending for a homeless shelter for LGBTQ youth, he yanked funding for one of the largest LGBTQ centers in the state in Orlando, and then he also pulled the funding that had been appropriated by the state legislature for the last few years uh, to help the survivors of Pulse, the nightclub massacre. Uh, handling medical bills and other expenses and things like that. He uh, he pulled the uh, the bill on that. Uh, friend of the show and of course our dear friend uh, Brandon Wolf, who is a Pulse survivor, lost his two best friends that night. Um, uh, he was in the club himself. Uh, he's been on, of course, the show several times. He is right. now the media manager for Equality Florida. And Brandon reached out to me, and uh, I was. Uh, unhappy about that, but both uh, the Los Angeles Blade and our sister publication, the Washington Blade, uh, published that. Uh, Now, there was kind of a a bright note uh, earlier this week, too, Rob. Uh, The governor of the state of Utah, now, mind you, Utah is a place that's not exactly very LGBTQ friendly. The governor not only issued a proclamation celebrating Pride Month, but then the mayor of the city of Salt Lake raised this huge pride flag so that kind of took everybody aback uh so to governor spencer cox of utah thank you sir uh thank you thank you uh thank you um and one more thing that i wanted to do uh and, and this is kind of also uh, in a kind of a sideways homage uh to our guest grayson uh, but i wanted to also give a shout out to our friends at the donald mcneil lgbt center Uh, In Tulsa, Toby and the crew there are doing uh, Modified Tulsa Pride, and I believe Grayson will be with the folks at Oklahoma City where our dear friend Sarah Cunningham, uh, the Free Moms Hug CEO and maven and traveling uh, LGBTQ ally will also be at. So Grayson, he can tell us, but I believe he's also uh, performing there. Uh, And outside of that, uh, that's about it for you know, kind of highlighting things in the, uh, in the news cycle, at least for the beginning of Pride, Rob. Right. Um, I wanted to ask you one thing. This is a little off topic,
0: but um, sure. it has to do with with Tulsa and um, President Biden is the first president to have acknowledged uh, the, the kind of the dark stain in American history of the um, massacre that happened in Oklahoma
2: years ago. Um, Did you have any comments on that? A hundred years ago, white supremacists and KKK members um, launched a massacre uh, against the section of Tulsa that was known as Black Wall Street. It was one of the most successful um, and financially secure uh, black communities uh, in the United States. Um, It's believed that well over 30 Excuse me, 300 not 30, 300 residents uh, lost their lives. Uh, it is a very very dark stain. Uh, the president isn't first; is the first one, uh, in fact, to actually uh, go to Tulsa uh, and and recognize uh, that horrible uh, event uh, in American history uh, for the black community in Tulsa and uh, for you know the black community in the United States. Uh, this is a just extreme uh, critical importance The President Biden uh, made the effort to not only travel to Tulsa, uh, but recognize that fact. You know, Rob, we still have a problem in this country uh, with racism. And, and it, it has been exasperated, I think, and amplified after four years of the Trump administration that basically pulled the scab off and unleashed the forces of dark, if you will. We've had problems and issues. Uh, with the police shootings of unarmed black men and women, we've had ongoing problems and in, in racial uh, incidents uh, across the United States. And I think that having the president and this White House and the administration making this effort uh, is something that has needed to have happened for a very long time. So uh, I applaud the president and uh, you know the community leaders uh, that made it happen. Uh and I also too would like to recognize uh, you know, that dark uh time period uh one hundred years ago in Tulsa.
0: Yeah, and I, I have I have strong suspicions that, that that piece of hidden history is not the only one that that we're going to uncover. Um and I'm hoping, you know, to your point we've had four years where um you know a lot of the racism that was probably under the surface has been allowed to come forth, um, but the uh, the positive of that is we need it out in the open so that we can deal with it and I think there are things in the past, the American past um, that need to come out, and we need to we need to lay them out they are they are part of people's history here, and um, we need to stop denying them and they're not they're you know obviously um, you know a great deal of them are um, specifically racist and specifically um, against the African-American community, um, there have been things with the LGBT community as well where, um, you know, there was tragic um, nightclub burnings and, and things that um, have gotten hidden in, in the history of the Americas, um, as well as other protests before Stonewall. Um, so there's a lot, a lot coming out. And I think that will be a good thing that we have to recognize and, um, you know, work on recognizing
2: so we can heal it. Um, So One more um, more thing before you bring Grayson on and and to your point, and I I think this is important, and and I say this to our listeners, pride started as a protest, not as a party, y'all. Always keep that in the back of your mind. We celebrate pride, okay, for a specific reason. And that is for the pioneers and the people that went before us that, you know, fought so hard to give, you know, those of us that are blessed to be living these days, and and kids like Grayson, uh, the ability to be themselves. And and so, remember, Pride started as a protest. It wasn't a party. And with that, Rob, I'll throw it back to you.
1: (laughs) Okay.
0: On that cheery note, thanks so (laughs) much, Brody. Okay. So, with that – and without further ado, I do
3: want to welcome Grace and Chance to the show. Grace and welcome. For having me on today, I've, I've been enjoying listening to you, to you two talk, and I feel like I know a bit more about what's happening in America now. Just tuning in.
0: <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well, then we have done our job. So, um, yeah. So I wanted yeah. to. See, I'm I'm so excited to talk to you because I've have, I have followed you for a long time and. Um, so, you know, you can put me in your, your fan category, uh, and I will try to contain myself, um, you know, and, and sound <laughs> very objective here. But um, it's funny, one of the uh, – one recent interview or recent inter- – an interview of you I saw recently um, actually took place in February of last year where you actually made a resolution that um, you had just been off um, touring for your your album portraits, and, you know, a real intense, um, you know, city-to-city-to-city uh, to city to city thing, and you made kind of a pledge that you were going to slow down, and when you said this in the interview, I just cringed, because I knew, I knew what was going to be ahead of you, because the pandemic was going to hit uh, probably about a month later, and uh, whether you intended to slow down or not, I'm sure it put a crink in your, uh, your schedule. So, how have you survived
3: the past year? Well, I am so upset with myself that I manifested um, this idea of me slowing down <laughs> because now a year and a half later um, i am I'm so ready to get back out on the road and you know as as everyone else you know around the world, the pandemic was was such a struggle the past year and a half it was incredibly difficult and and you know especially for queer people as well where you know our sense of community is is so much um, so integrated into club scenes and bar scenes and and hanging out with our fellow members of the community that you know I think it's been a really really tough challenge for LGBT people and so um, I'm just excited that it looks like there's you know a light at the end of the tunnel now and that you know going into this pride we can we can get back together after after a long time of being uh separated
0: yeah no i think so and 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 i would just say i would i would put you not in that you manifested it um because i really do not want to blame you for the pandemic i really really don't, don't <laughs> think that's your fault thank you for um, that but, <laughs> yeah yeah no it's like you are powerful but you know let's 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 rein it in a little, but uh, I would yeah. I would definitely put it into the "be careful what you pray for" category. However, so um,
1: you know, exactly but I, I, I want to
0: yeah I want to go to your music because the thing I really love about your music first of all um, you I think two of the people that you kind of are emulating in your path right now are. Um, uh, Joni Mitchell and Brandi Carlisle as singer, songwriter, musicians. And your music is so exciting in that regard because it is from your heart. It is, first of all, very done. I mean, it's so nuanced. Your voice is, your range is insane. I mean, with your, your upper register and your lower register and just so many nuances um, and I'm trying to remember what my question was. See, this is where fanboys should not be able to ask questions. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a question there. Um, so the, oh, I know what it was. You, the things that you write about, you, you are very out in your songs. You're, you know, it is, is you, your same-sex, love and attractions and dilemmas and emotions come out in this. But I think it is so groundbreaking in a way that it is unconscious. It is not like you listen to the song and go, oh, this is a, about a gay guy. You, you hear it and it's a human song. Um, it is not a coming out song. Um, is that intentional or is it just you being you?
3: yeah well well first off, thank you so much for the kind words i'm I'm casually blushing over here um so thank you for that but you know the the way that I can best sum up my story is I'm twenty three years old right now and uh, I started off with my first record deal when I was twelve years old so there was so much of my um adolescence and my childhood in music where you know I didn't really i I wasn't given the chance to not only make music that i that I really wanted to do, but also to be writing it as well so when I came back into music in my in my later years, I really wanted to you know finally show the world um, that I was a songwriter and that I had you know sort of the unique um, voice and and that you know I had some unique things to say and and for me, I think you know whenever I'm in the studio and i'm I'm sort of trying to get these stories down um, into the music i I really emphasize authenticity. Um, You know, I really want my listeners to know that these are stories that are coming from the heart and that these are things that are coming from my own life. Um, And that's just, it's, it's for me, it's not even really a choice that I have anymore to, to not be honest, because there was such a large part of it where, you know, I was being forced to do records and, and, you know, I didn't have a huge artistic um, involvement in anything I was doing. So, now it just feels second nature to me. Um, you know, writing these songs and this music is the way that I navigate through my own life and through my own emotions. And, and you know, I just want anyone listening to know that it is honest and that it does come uh, from a place that's true and genuine.
0: Yeah, no, and, and you know, where you started, I mean, it's, it, I I see your story could having, could, having been able to go in a lot of other directions than it has um, because you know it's like you you really did follow the path of what a lot of other child entertainers followed where you know young sensation um, you know being told what to do you gave you know you were given a certain kind of pop material to perform Um, As you grew out of yourself, uh, out of that child, and became older, they lost interest in you, the machine kind of stopped working, and they were very happy to spit you out. And that is the story of so many tragic child actors and everything else that ended up drug addicts and having all these horrible end stories. You went off, reinvented yourself, came back, and seemed to have learned from your, almost like you went on a field trip of the music industry and came back with your knowledge of what that was like, and now a refreshed artist knowing how to do that. Um, What did that machine look like from a child's point of view? What did you see, and how were you able to evaluate it?
3: you know it's it, it's interesting because for for a lot of years after it, um, you know i I really sort of blocked out um, that part of my life um, because there was a lot of um, you know as you say it, it is it is a machine and you know when i when I came on the scene i I had this huge viral video and and there was so much momentum and and with that came a lot of you know money coming around and a lot of you know big players kind of involved in the industry. And the second that that momentum stopped, you know, I truly was just sort of uh, thrown to the curb. When when I was 15, I uh, all in the same day, I got dropped by my record label, my management, my publicist, my agent. Um, it was like, you know, the the ultimate day of death for me as, as a child musician. And so it really hasn't been until recently. And I think uh, it was when I came out with my last album, Portraits, and kind of got back out on the road again um, where I realized that, you know, we, we, we hold artists to such a high standard, right? It's a really, really tough job. And, and we hold these people that we listen to to not only make music that we like and to make visuals that we like, but they have to be on all the time. They need to, they need to be perfect. And, and the truth of the matter is, is it's just, it's, it's not like that. It's, it's an impossible thing, uh, to really, really uncover. And so, for me, I just focused on, you know, really, like I said, trying to stay true in my music and, and trying to come out onto the scene again without any of the, you know, sort of sparkly, glittery, you know, sort of persona thing around me. I really tried to level with people and say, this is my story. This is what I went through. Um, and, you know, a lot of that pain I put into the music as well. But mm-hmm. you bring up a good point of, you know, there are so many other stories of, you know, people getting into addiction, people, you know, going down the wrong path. And, and in so many ways, you know, I, I think I really could have and probably should have gone off of the rails, um, but I was fortunate enough to have a really good family around me and, and and a good support system that was just very focused on, you know, what do you want to do now as an artist? You did all this stuff in the past, but what is the story that you want to tell now? Um, and so I've been doing that now for a few years and, and it's still, it's still an onward battle. There's, there's a lot of stories that, you know, I think I'll write down in a book one day (laughs) that will surprise a lot of people. Um, but for now, you know, for now I, I look back at that kid and I'm actually quite proud of him. He, he went through a lot of hardship and a lot of, uh, you know, he, he jumped a lot of hoops and, and, you know, now to be here still making music, it, it really sort of is a dream come true.
2: Grayson, yeah. if yeah. if I can just jump in for a second, because you just hit on something I wanted to ask you. I, well, no, it's just Grayson. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I, I I'm, I'm laughing at myself,
0: not you. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, jump in. <laughs> first,
2: first of all, Grayson, congratulations on, on your latest endeavor. Um, one of the things that struck me and one of the things that has struck me is that um, it's been – uh, you know, a very hard journey for you. And uh, you know I want to take a second to kind of let you talk about that because you battled a couple of very serious issues and you've come out the other side of this. You've had family support. Uh, most recently, uh, your your rather loving partner uh, has been, I'm sure, a big part of that in your life, uh, as evidenced by the happy you know grace and the happy Harry the homeowner posts on Instagram, et cetera. But that hasn't been easy for you. And and I've got to think, you know, and and Rob's more the entertainment and culture. I'm actually a political journalist, that that's got to be kind of a backstory that you kind of like to tell in some ways, not just with your music, but to tell people, because in many ways, Grayson, you know, you actually are a role model, especially from the part of the country you're from, where there's still a lot of deeply closeted, young LGBTQ people in Oklahoma and Texas and that area around there. Um, so, yeah, if you if you would like to kind of talk a little bit about that, I'd, I'd like you to because I really think it's important uh, because I think that people kind of, they kind of look at things like your story in a skewed fashion and they don't realize, you know, the real person behind it, the real pain, the real heartache, and the real addiction battles that went with it, maybe not to the point that, you know, Rob was making uh, in terms of, you know, a traditional sense of addiction, but one that's almost as lethal. Yeah. You're, well, you're the you know,
3: first and uh, – yeah, and first and foremost, uh, you know, you bring up – so I'm I'm proudly from uh, Oklahoma. I grew up in a suburb outside of Oklahoma City. I still live there now. Um, and, you know, looking back at my own story of coming out, um, you know, I wouldn't – had I not been in music at an early age – and surrounded by people on my team who were, you know, openly um, queer. I, I don't think I would have ever been able to come out at the age that I did. I came out to my friends and family when I was 16, and I don't think it was necessarily because of a, you know, not that I wasn't sure of who I was, but, you know, in a place like Oklahoma, you didn't have a lot of exposure um, to queer culture at the time. And, you know, social media has helped out with a lot of that and, and just progress in general has. But, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I was able to be in music at a young age and, and sort of traveling the world and seeing that, okay, no, I, I can be myself and and I can be who I want to be. But reverting back to, you know, just queer youth in, in America, you know, I always, when, when I came out, I I was very adamant about wanting to tell a message of, you know, do not feel the pressure that, you know, you have to come out immediately right now. It's, it's, it's do or die. You're seeing all these things on Instagram. You're seeing all these people coming out like it has to be right now. I, I wanted to remind my fans that every story is individualistic. Um, you know, there's still so many kids across this country who, if they come out, they're going to be kicked out of their house. Um, there are kids mm-hmm. in college who, if they come out, their you know their tuition is going to be taken away by their parents. You know, there's there's all these different stories. So, I really wanted to emphasize to, to my fans that every story is individualistic, um, and you know you have to just really look at your own situation, um, but to also you know keep on talking about about that. You know, I've I've been open about uh, not only my battle with anorexia uh which was something that was very very probably more difficult for me to come um to come into the public with um opposed to my sexuality because it was something that i was so embarrassed by it was something that were you know sort of taught on a societal level that it's just you know young females that experience this and which is so far beyond the truth um, and so i came out with that publicly and, you know, when I'm thinking about me just sort of growing up and, you know, the lack of representation that I saw out in the world, I, I remind myself of that as an artist all the time, you know, and that, that's why mm-hmm. I'm real with my fans, that's why I'm real on social media because if I can tell my story and, and show people that, hey, you know, it's, it's not only happening to you, it's happening to me too. Um, that impact can be really, really significant. So I don't know if that necessarily answers your question, but I hope I, hope I <laughs> maybe answered no, a little bit of it. No,
2: you, you, no, no, Grayson, you did. I, I think it's important because I think sometimes people do get kind of a perception uh, of a sense of, you know, putting you guys in a place, you know, and I'm, I'm saying this in a not an unkind way, but they put you up on the pedestal or they put you in the glass house or the, and they view you through the different prism. I think not necessarily understanding that, you know, you're very real, you, you have the same trials and tribulations and thoughts. The only difference, I think, in many regards is that because of your unique talent as a singer, a songwriter, a performer, and a musician – you can convey a lot of those feelings and emotions and experiences, you know, articulating them into your songwriting and your music, um, which does make that unique. But at the same time, you know, you're still very, very much, uh, uh, you know, a role model in that regard. Um, And with that, I'm going to hand it back to Rob and just sneak over here and listen. (laughs) Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you don't have to sneak that far. But, um uh, yeah, no, it's, but that's all true. And, and Grayson, you are so authentic. I mean, that, that is the thing that comes through. And it came through when, in your younger version as well. I mean, you were out there, you know, belting it out. You were, you know, enthusiastic about what you were doing. You were, you were you at the time. And you're you now, and you don't hide anything back. And that is, that's super important. And, you know, you've, you've certainly gotten the fans who have told you specifically of the inspiration, your personal stories have, have given to them. Um, your, the album portraits, um, was, you really let out a lot of pain over the relationship that you had at that time. And the, the breakup, um, that happened to you. Um, uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit and what, what impact that had on you both um, artistically and personally? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, I was, so portraits for me was truly, um, it was kind of my redemption piece. And, and what I mean by that is at the time before I put out that album, you know, I, I couldn't even get a meeting in LA with anybody. Um, you know, no one wanted to touch me. No one wanted to be involved in, in my project and, and involved in any of my music. So what I did was I told myself, I was like, you know what, I'm going to write a record. I'm going to write a full album. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give this one last shot and see, see what happens. And, and, you know, fortunately it, um, it, it, went over very, very well, but that whole album, yeah. Um, dealt with a relationship that I went through and in, in college and was about a person that I really thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And, and then, you know, things, things sort of ended and, What's been interesting now is so uh, my boyfriend and I just celebrated our, our one-year anniversary yesterday. And what my next record is really about, and now that I've, you know, been listening to it, I've, I've sort of realized this um, after the fact, but, you know, my upcoming EP, Trophies, is, is really talking about um, the fear that I had of now losing love and, and sort of that fear mm. that was created in, that, in, in the old relationships that I've had and you know another thing too of of talking to um, you know my fans and and to other queer people around what what's been interesting now about um, being in a relationship and and really truly being in love um, is you know we're we're constantly told as as queer people that you know our relationships are always going to be rocky. They're never going to be you know like the perfect stereotypical um, you know sort of American dream type relationship that you see. And it's because we're different. You know, these relationships are going to be different because we're inherently different. Um, and that is just absolute BS, if I can say that on the mm-hmm. radio. And, and I, wanna, I want my fans and yeah, younger you people to know that, that.
0: You can perfect, say the full perfect, words. Um,
3: absolute <laughs> bullshit.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs>
3: yeah. And I, I want them to know that, you know, regardless of how you identify who you love, you can totally have all of the stereotypical white picket fence, you know, dog in the backyard, green grass type of thing. Um, it it is so within your wheelhouse and it's, and it's not, it's not out of reach. And so a lot of my, uh, of my upcoming record was me just kind of emotionally going through all those, those things and, and really sort of talking about them in the music.
1: Yeah.
0: And your message is super important. I mean, I did a lot of writing um, over the past decade as a gay dad, um, and that was exactly it because when I was growing up um, and you were gay, that was supposed to be off the table. You weren't ever going to be a parent. You weren't ever going to have a family, um, you know, and, and that was what you were doomed to. And I not only made sure that didn't happen, but... Adopted two babies who both are 18 and just graduated or graduating high school right now. Um, so you know, your you standing up for that is is vitally important. Um, I want to go to trophies though. That that's the 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 new work in progress album in terms of at least in terms of being released. Um, you tend to write as a singer songwriter in. Kind of a complete composition. By composition, I mean a whole album that it's like you listen to each individual song, but the songs are not necessarily standalone. They flow with each other. Um, the two songs you've released off this album was um, uh, the the first song was Holy Feeling, and the new song is Hellboy, which is sort of me like. <laughs> bookends of the spiritual spectrum holy to hell um can you talk about that or am i just reading too much into it
3: (laughs) no you you so you so aren't reading too much into it so um that was very intentional um so what i what i really wanted to show is um again too for me as a music fan um the the albums and and the bodies of work that i love the most are where you can really sort of see the artists in different um, different avenues, right? And in different sort of, not necessarily genres, but maybe let's just say different sounds, right? And so when we were compiling uh, this record, I, I was noticing that it really did have a lot of range. And so I sort of wanted to throw a curveball out after Holy Failing, which is a, sort of a euphoric kind of um, a little bit Americana-leaning song. I, I wanted to throw a curveball with the next one and say, Hey, I can I can still write a really good pop record too. Um, and so in in anticipation of of trophies, you know what what the listener can expect is it's really um, it's an experience from top to bottom. I really try to show you a lot of my world, a lot of my mind at the time of writing this and and how I, I like to sort of um, hop around to different different sounds, different tempos, the whole nine yards. Um, and so I think it's, uh, you know, when you listen to it, I, I really do think it's a good experience and, and I encourage any music listener out there, you got to listen to these records top to bottom because um, it's, it's all intentional the way that these songs are placed too.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think the current music industry has uh, um, kind of stolen that a little bit from um, the listener because back in the day, that is how you got your music. you you've got the full composition, you got the full album, you got the full CD. And now with streaming and, and all the different delivery mechanisms, it, it all gets kind of broken up. Um, do, do you think it's going to return to that? Is this, you know, artistically, are you sort of putting a stake in the ground?
3: You know, I um, – Again, too, I, you know, if if I was still sort of in my mindset of how I started off in music, I I was very concerned as a kid just because I was sort of positioned this way. But I was always concerned about, okay, what is going to be the best thing for, you know, radio, what's going to be the best thing for the streaming service? Or at the time, it was iTunes, right? And in this chapter of of me being an artist, um, I I truly could care less, honestly. (laughs) I don't... Mm -hmm. I I really try not to focus on what's hip or what's going to, you know, be the best thing for, um, for my songs. I I try to focus on, do I, do I genuinely believe in what I'm saying? Do I genuinely like what I'm saying? And, uh, and for me, this record is, you know, regardless of whether it fits into the, the norms of, uh, what it is to be a successful streaming artist nowadays, to me, it tells a story. Um, and that's what I'm more interested in. So, you know, and that could be to my detriment. You know, I might I might end up bankrupt, uh drunk in a bar in Oklahoma singing show tunes uh to make a living. Who knows? <laughs> but I I'll, I'll be happy with that too. Well, I don't, I, I don't think either. that's going to happen.
1: I don't think that's <laughs> going to Yeah,
0: I don't think that's going to happen, and should that happen, with your luck, there'll be a video camera there. It'll go completely viral and you'll go on You know, the latest talk show, you know, as like, guess who we discovered? No, that won't happen. No, I think you're, I think you're, you're artistically making your mark. I think you are, um, you are being a leader and defining the genre rather than being, you know, a pawn of it, which I I think is super, super exciting. Um, And I think it's working and I think it's going to work. Um, We actually have. Hellboy all queued up here. If you're okay with it, I'd love to, to play it for our listeners. Is that is that cool? I would absolutely love that. Well, everybody get ready to dance. Here is Grace and Chance and Hellboy.
1: Velvet on the floor, riding's on the wall. Let me come a little close to get you elevated. So one a little more. Oh, if you don't know how to touch it, let me educate you
0: No, really, so I'm I'm a,
1: trust me, I want
0: jam. to, that was... yeah, no, I, I, I would love to, but, and, and I will be on my own, but it's like, I, I just, I, I mean, I am astounded listening to it, first of all, I cannot stop moving when I hear it, it's like, I want to dance all over the place, um, but second of all, the range of your vocals is, like I said before, is just, I mean, it's unreal, and, um, you know, I, I, was, I was a fan of you as a kid. I loved you belting out paparazzi and, and you, know, um, you know, between the lines and all that. But you're, you have trained your voice in just a much more nuanced um, range right now. What, what training have you done in the day um, to get yourself to the place you
3: are right now? Well, it was interesting because, you know, I I went through they, – they always tell you that, um, you know, when your voice changes that it's it's going to be sort of a tough go, and um, that is such an um, understatement. It, it was so hard for me for a few years to really kind of find um, comfortability in my voice again. I mean, I, I really struggled through my voice change, but um, ultimately, you know, I learned as a kid when I was on the road that um, – you know, in a way when you're a touring musician, you're sort of like an athlete. And, and, you know, my, my muscle is, is my voice. So um, when you, when you see me on the road, I, I live the, the opposite of a rock star life. I'm, I'm getting off stage. I go on vocal rest. I, I drink tea. Um, I'm, I'm in bed as soon as I can be. I'm, I'm, I'm not the Guns and roses type of uh, partying after the show type of uh a musician, but I I just try to take care of of my voice and uh, and honestly, yeah, too. It's it's been interesting now um, as I think it's sort of finally settled. But I just sort of sing where I'm comfortable and where I feel as if I can go. And uh, I've been fortunate enough where that uh, is typically a, a a large amount of space.
1: Yeah,
0: well, it, uh, it your your work shows. Um, there's a lot of parallels I see between you and. Um, Michael Jackson's trajectory, when you know, because his you know child singing voice was was one thing, and then when he became an adult, he really worked to nurture a lot of the nuances of it, and I see that in you in in a big way. Um, what, how far out in the future artistically do you think? I mean, you, album by album, you're going to not even worry about the next one, or is there? Do you have a design on where you want your music to go oh
3: i i wish i could just chill out sometimes but uh the the second i submitted in this this record i was already making sort of um some mood boards about about the next thing and and i've been writing a lot um recently so i'm i'm already working on my next record and uh yeah it's it's sort of you know, for, for me, again, it's just, I, I find inspiration through walking, you know, through day-to-day life and, uh, you know, I'm constantly sort of healing myself through the music. So I'm never not writing. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm working on the next record already. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of figured that (laughs) that part. Um,
0: (laughs) one, one thing that Brody brought up, um, you know, was, and you were, you said was, Probably a harder thing for you to to talk about than coming out was your anorexia. Um, can you talk to that battle a little bit?
3: Yeah, um, I, I mean it was so uh, it, it was truly very very difficult um, to not only you know first off sort of diagnose it, um, right? You know, I I had come off of this really bad breakup that I talked about, um, you know, that I wrote my album Portraits about, and then it was a period of time where, you know, I was sort of developing these habits of, of not eating and, and sort of not taking care of myself. And, and I blamed it all on kind of the sadness I was feeling at the time. And then as things became a little more normal and I became a bit more stable, I noticed that I still had um, had this issue and, and things that were going on. So for me, I had to work through a lot of therapy, um, you know, to sort of get a grasp on it. And, and like I said, it, it was the reason why I wanted to talk about it was or talk about it publicly because it was so stigmatized um and still is so much, you know, any sort of eating disorder. Um and so I wanted to tell people that, you know, here I am as a you know a young adult male. Um, you know, I, I like to think that I have my life sort of together, but here's still a um sort of a deep issue that I that I struggle with and I go through. And so you know, currently I'm, um, you know, on a, on a road to recovery. It's, it's sort of never ending um, when you are battling with an eating disorder, but I'm doing very, very well right now and, and just trying to stay on top of it. And, and I've learned a lot from after I shared my story, there, there was such a, an amazing and beautiful dialogue that happened online of, um, you know, people reaching out to me and sort of sharing their own. Um, you know, struggles and battles with it as well. And so I, I ended up learning a lot um, from that period of, of coming out publicly with it. And so um, as with anything, I'm, I'm working on trying to be the best version of myself that I can be. Well, I,
0: I think you're, you're doing an outstanding job of that because I think that is what people get from your art and everything else is they get a glimpse into to you. It is, it is very authentic. From the heart, you know, it's like you, you pull no punches, um, you are your own man and um and, and you are a beautiful man yourself. And I don't mean that just, just physically, just you know, it's like that that is what people get from you. Um and so I'm really thrilled oh, that thank you're, you, thank you're you. on a recovery. And and I'm thrilled that you are upfront about it because anything hidden is is gonna get you. It's like the, the secrets are worse. Of course. Um so when, when you took time off, you know, not, not necessarily by your choice, but by, by life happening, um, you kind of dug into law and archaeology and all these other kind of things. What, what have those, that, that amount of learning, how does that fed back into
3: what you want to express? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a very proud college dropout. Um, I went, I went to school for two years and, and told myself when I went into college, I said, okay, I I did music for a long time. And I said, never, ever will I go back. There's no way I'm, I'm, I'm a change man. And then of course my sophomore year of college, I wrote an album. Um, and I was so mad at myself (laughs) for doing that um, at the time, but, um, I said, "Gosh, no! Why are you doing this again?" But uh, again, it, it, it wasn't a choice at that point. But um, you know, my my time in college um, really taught me how to be a music fan again. Um, really taught me sort of um, just how to enjoy it because, again, too. And and I think you know, any any kid that you talk to who grew up in the industry. Um, you would likely find out that they they genuinely had a love for what they were doing, but it often becomes so tarnished by the business and and by other things going on. And so that time in college just really helped me um, start to enjoy music again as a listener um and then ultimately inspired so much of, of portraits. but yeah i don't I don't find myself um, that often now reading any legal books or any archaeology books, but um, you know, I I at least have that time to look back on and, and remember that it really did help me out to become a better musician.
2: Right. My observation yeah. would be that you're probably busy reading books on gardening and home improvement, judging by <laughs> <of the things. laughs> some, of, some of the things I've I, I am, in I that am. Regard. Yeah, well, I, I've got to compliment you on your little garden thing out the back because you made me jealous. I'm like, okay, he's having fun. That looks like that's cool. Those are some (laughs) healthy-looking plants. So congrats to you on that, by the way, just so you know. Oh, and –
0: Thank you so much.
2: (laughs) I just – I think – well, between you and your lovely boyfriend, I think you guys, you know, the the way you've got the house going and everything else, I mean, yeah, it's a thing, and I really think you should be proud of, you know, the thing. And I wanted to add one more thing to what Rob just said. Look, Grayson, I I, I am – Just absolutely a moron when it comes down to music, culture, and stuff like that. I'm a political guy. That's what I know best. But I can tell you as the guy that sits in the front row with the popcorn and the Coke, I know what I like to watch in movies. I know what I like to listen to. You know, that much I can tell you. I think the one thing that I do appreciate the most about you, okay, is that as an artist and as an individual, you're transparent, And, you know, I, in my time as a political reporter, you know, and Rob will tell you because he's seen me in action, you know, I've dealt with a lot of the phony types, and I'm not a big fan. And so when I run into someone who's an actual human being and decent and transparent, you know, it's one of the reasons I actually, you know, reached out to your people to bring you on the show. That's no lie. It was because this kid is so transparent. He's such a role model. He's got an incredible backstory. Rob needs to talk to him, and I want to talk to him. So that, that's just my two bits worth, and I'll pitch it back across the table to Rob. Yeah. So oh, well, okay, thank you, thank you, you so, so you much for that, though.
0: Yeah, I have to
1: tell <laughs> a quick story on
0: Brody um, uh, about somebody that, that you're familiar with. Um, Brody was interviewing an activist in Washington, D.C. Um, around the time of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Um, and her oh, name is no. Stephanie, and he was – Sitting there drinking a cup of coffee, and he noticed this guy standing behind her, looking over her shoulder and glancing over every once in a while. And Brody made a comment to her and said, "You know, guy, he's really interested in your coffee." And she looked at him and she went, "Oh, I guess you you don't really know who I am." And he said, "Uh, "You're Stephanie." He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Uh, "Yeah." And he goes, "She goes, I'm Lady Gaga."
2: Fucking oh. fairness to me, introduced <laughs> as Stephanie. I mean, come on, you know?
0: So this is, this is who we're dealing with with Brody. Brody is definitely not the fan child. So, so anyway, um, so he smells out authenticity, absolutely.
3: Um, do, you, do you know uh, how many I'm, gays would have killed to be in that position, Brody? I mean, oh, there there are a
2: an endless I, list of gays. I, I went. It was the day of the national march, and and afterwards, I was over in Dupont Circle, which is the gay neighborhood in Washington, and I was out to eat with some of my friends, and I told the story, and it was at a table full of gay guys. You can imagine what the reaction was. I, the first time I told Rob, <laughs> he's like, "You what?" And I'm like, "I didn't know." She introduced herself as Stephanie. Okay, she had a lovely New York <laughs> accent. She was the nicest person. She was intense. We got along great. I didn't know that that was the poker face person. Okay, <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's,
0: well, it, and it, and it gets worse. It's like Brody has um, works with um, Chaz Bono on occasion for transgender issues and reports back to him. And he was telling me about a conversation he had with Chaz. He was on the phone. He goes. Yeah, he was asking about this new development. I think it was when Trump did the trans ban. And, and then um, Chaz's mom got on and wanted to hear about it, and so I was telling her. I'm like, wait, 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 wait what? What? Chaz's mom? You mean you were on the phone with Cher? That is Cher. Goes, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs>
2: uh,
0: so anyway. Grayson,
2: I'm telling you, I don't ever live this stuff down, Ever. Anyway, thank (laughs) thank you for being yourself, though. Okay, seriously, dude, it's appreciated at least Um, from my point as a political reporter.
0: So, but (laughs) before we before we move on, I do need to do some house cleaning. Grayson, you are going on tour, right? You have a
3: tour lined up
0: this year, correct?
3: Yes, we we are starting. Well, it's it's so exciting. So as I mentioned, I'm from Oklahoma City, and and our first show um, back after COVID is actually I'm headlining Oklahoma City's Pride Fest. Um, And this is really special because, you know, um, this is really a first that Oklahoma City has really, really embraced pride in this way. Um, And so to be headlining in downtown Oklahoma City, it's just such a dream come true, and and then after that, yes, we have a full North American tour uh, going through North America July and August. Um, and so you can get tickets to that on our website, um, GraysonChanceMusic.com. And um, I'm just, I'm so excited and, and, and so ready to be back out on the road.
0: That That's super exciting. And I want people to, to check it out, find out when Grayson is in your city, and um, go attend, um, you know, Take advantage, it'll be a show you will not want to miss. Um, you, they can also connect with your music online, to correct? Um, the various downloading um, vehicles?
3: Yes, any anywhere that you can listen to music, I, I can assure you we're on there. And when, when do you think the full album
0: of um, uh, Trophies is going to come out?
3: Or do you know? Well, you know, I, I will say so. This is a uh, this is an eight song uh, EP currently, but um, to me, I'm, I'm I sort of view it as a as a full record and as an album. And so uh, this will, for me, I think this will be the end of, of this sort of story. But um, you you never know. It, there might be a continuation, but for now, it's just going to be these eight songs on on June 25th.
0: June 25th. Okay. Cool. So uh, I can't wait. <laughs> I literally can't wait. I'm so anxious to hear the rest of it. Um uh it's fantastic and um you know and you know we were talking about um Hellboy and, and played it obviously which is it is it is a such a cool dance song. Um Holy Feeling is also superb. Um so you know that's a song that's available right now and people should check that one out and and listen to it as well. Um, uh, Grayson, we are we're at the end of our time here. What have we not asked that we
3: should have? Um, my goodness, I, I think you covered I think you covered the gamut, and I, alongside the rest of the queer community, am very upset with Brody that he did not know who Lady Gaga was when he met her. <laughs> um, and you yeah. know that 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 Best is card. that is my final note, but. <laughs> but, but thank you, thank you both so much for having me on the show, and uh, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. And, and happy Pride Month too! Happy Pride! Well, Grayson. thank you, and and
0: and to you as well. And Grayson, take heart that he may not have known who Lady Gaga was, but he would have known who you were. So there you go!
1: <laughs> Amazing!
0: <laughs> Paparazzi. That's perfect. Well, thank you both so much. Thank you. And I want to thank Brody for all his work. Uh, All kidding aside, he's an incredibly important journalist and has contributed so much to the community. And you can check out his work on the L.A. Blade, of which he is the editor. Um, And he brings forth the important stories that we need to know about um, and, and should know about. So thank, thank Brody for all his work on that and on the show, obviously. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. We love you. We appreciate you. Uh, hope you're spreading the word. Have people subscribe. Um, we love them as well and can't wait to talk to them more. We are going to be back again next week. And as usual, I have no idea what we're going to be talking about. But I know it will be incredible, sensational, fantastic, and we want you to join us. So for all of us here at Rated LGBT Radio, I thank you. Tune in again. We will be tuning back in to you. See you next week. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio.